I'm sitting here at the 73rd World Science Fiction Convention, right? Because we got to say the World Science Fiction right. Convention. And uh, Spokane, Washington. We're sitting outside by the river, the lovely, lovely river. The lovely, lovely river. We don't have a red sun today. Yesterday we had the red sun. Maybe we'll get the red sun later on. Depends on the smoke, which kind of sucks. And I'm talking with Robert. Robert, why don't you tell people who you are and what you do? I'm Robert L. Slater. I'm a author, teacher, father, musician, actor. I have many hats, both literally and figuratively. My website is desertedlands.com for the series I'm working on now, which is apocalyptic young adult science fiction. And I also have a personal blog at robslater.com that hasn't been getting as much attention because I've been finalizing my latest release, the second book in the Deserted Land series, and it's called Straight Into Darkness. So the blogs can kind of fall away, can't they? At times, I will go weeks with only a a post or so. I try to make at least one post a week, and then there will be times that I'll get three a week and times, of course, where you totally let it go. Sure. So you mentioned musician. Uh, Anilio would kick me if I didn't ask you. What do you play? I play guitar. I used okay. to play saxophone. I'll pick up the bass if there are too many guitarists. And it's kind of a singer or songwriter, folky. I released a CD in 2005 that you can find on iTunes and <laughs> Bandcamp and a number of other online sources, CD Baby. And I've written a whole bunch more songs. And someday, maybe when I have time to to re-record or to record them I'd like to release another CD that'd be awesome you know I I play guitar and I woke up several months ago and realized that I now own four <laughs> I I'm a, I don't want to count how many I own <laughs> because I have a uh, sort of a an addiction to a store called Musician's Friend yep down in uh, Oregon and well, they're also online. Oh, they're yes. yeah. They're, they, well, they, do right. the, they do the big. They do the big catalog. Right, and it's they a, have the stupid deal of the day. Yeah, if you if you buy anything in any music store and they get your address information, yep. you will get a copy of Musician's Friend in the mail. Yep, and and I've been a fan as soon as I discovered them, and as a school teacher who's had some guitar programs off and on. I like to pick up guitars on good deals. So if there's a $100 acoustic guitar or a $79 acoustic guitar, I bought it. So I'm I'm guessing that I probably have somewhere in the range of 15 guitars, two basses, and a bunch of... I actually have three drum, drum sets in the living room right now. A, a very small one, a child-sized one, and then a full-size. So I've got a little bit of a, a shopping addiction there. <laughs> Any plans to do filking while you're here? Not really. I've I've thought about it, and some of my songs have a sort of a sci-fi fantasy yeah. uh, twist. Um, but for the most part, at the moment, I think I get about halfway through one song, and I would notice that I don't have any calluses. <laughs> yeah, that can be rough. That yeah. can be really rough. Might have one callus on the right index finger from the mouse. <laughs> sure, sure. So let's talk a little bit about your stories. How did you how did you get started writing? That's one thing I always like to ask people. Well, I think I've written since I learned how to put words together. We have stories, poetry, songs that I wrote in grade school. And just off and on, I start wrote songs a lot and that was sort of my go-to format throughout my 20s. And then I started writing plays. I was in the theater program at Western Washington University in Bellingham. 
and had several plays produced and workshopped and really enjoyed that. And then at some point, I started writing short fiction. Actually, I remember what inspired me. It was Time Pressure by Spider Robinson. Okay. And I read that, and then right after that, I read uh, Mind Killer, and he just blew me away. <laughs> and I sat down the next morning and wrote my first completed short science fiction story, and from there on out, and that was like 91, 92, and I started sending out stories almost immediately, and thank goodness some intern someplace actually uh, critiqued one of the, I think it might have been the first submission, it was probably to um, Fantasy, uh, Magazine of Fantasy and Science okay, Fiction, sure. when uh, Chris was editing, and Somebody sent me back a thing and said, your verbs are boring. And they highlighted the first couple pages of verbs. And I went, oh, wow. So I immediately went back in and made it more interesting. And not long after that, I started on a novel, which is in a box someplace. It's, it's electronic <laughs> as well, but, you know, that... So it's an electronic box. Electronic an box. electronic box, yes. yes. They do have those. Uh, yes. E-trunks. Yep. And pretty soon, with submitting and everything, I discovered the world of uh, conventions. Mm -hmm. In my hometown, there was we had one called Viking Con, and I met Chris Rush there, Dean Wesley Smith. I think I've met Vonda McIntyre, who's also at this convention. Yeah, and I'm not allowed to talk to her. Greg Bear, talk to her about Star Trek. Okay, yeah. So I could see how I that fanboy on her. I, I think I did that in yeah. in '96 or whenever it was that I met her. And yeah, there's there is that. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to balance that that professional writer yeah. uh, personality with the fanboying. Well, and, and it's always fun when you talk to an author and they have all these original works out there and all you want to do is talk about their tie-in fiction. Right. Like, Come on, though. Let's talk about Savick. <laughs> or Alan Dean Foster <laughs> and the splinter of the mind's eye. Because uh, I was a big Star Wars fan in the late 70s. A friend and I wrote an original radio play called Starbase 2 wow. about what happened after Star Wars while we were waiting around for uh, The Empire Strikes Back. So I guess, you know, your question about writing is it's been going on in, sure. in many forms. I do write poetry. I teach creative writing at the high school that I work at, Windward High School in Ferndale, Washington. So I get to do some of these things and get paid for it as well as work with, uh, with kids. And that kind of ties in to... The current series... So, so just so you understand, you're on yeah. radio. They can't see you pointing. They can't. Right. <laughs> so tell, tell people what you're pointing to. I am pointing at something that I'm really happy and excited about. I've got... Well, they're very cool. I've got four ebook download cards. One for my first novel, All is Silence. One for my first collection of short fiction called Outward Bound a novella that I released in February called Toils and Snares and my soon-to-be-released novel Straight Into Darkness which will be out on ebook September 1st. So I have these download cards that are about the size of a credit card mm -hmm. and there's a scratch-off thing on the back with a code and a QR code and a website you can go to to download in any of the uh, usual um, ebook formats, EPUB or Mobi. 
and uh, they're also really cool looking. Yeah, They've got my like cover. I, I, you know, I my brain immediately went to collectible. Yeah, because they're 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 that right size, and you've got them in a nice little you've got them in a nice little plastic sleeve piece here. And what's funny about these, and what I like about these, is um, I had this idea. <laughs> I did. I had this idea, and I told Lou Anders uh-huh. years ago. Yes. When ebooks first started hitting, right? And people were downloading a lot of ebooks, and publishers weren't really sure what to do. How do you market? And it? Yeah. your independent booksellers were struggling, right? Because they're like, "How do I right. sell an ebook?" Yeah. What has come, I don't like. Yeah. The way that they're selling ebooks and independent. But this is what I suggested. What I suggested yeah. was. Um, like an iTunes card. I said, yep. I told them you should just have a card that is the cover of the book and it's got the download code on it somewhere and the independent booksellers can buy these right. at bulk wholesale pricing, right? Just like they would uh, yep. a book. And they can have them in their bookstore yep. and you can buy an ebook right there, scan it, and boom, it's on your Kindle right. or your whatever device you want. So I really like this. This was this was something I thought of. Thank you. So I, I'm going to need a cut. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> right? Just like the guy, your guitarist, you know the guy who, have you seen the pick punch? Uh-uh. It's 30 bucks and it's this heavy duty hole punch that will punch guitar picks out of credit cards ah. any sort of plastic thing okay. my favorite is the um is the clear american express fake cards that sure. you get yeah. because it's it's got about the same weight as the lightweight orange dunlops which are my favorites um i use, but, the, I use the mid size gray ones okay yeah. yeah um and so for this thing you can just literally punch yourself a whole bunch of guitar picks and as, again, I've taught guitar at my high school, there's, the, if I buy picks, they disappear. Okay. But um, if somebody's sitting there, they don't want to play guitar, it's like, okay, here's a pile of credit cards, here's the pick punch, make me 25 guitar picks, and we've got a jar full of them so people can, can have them that way. So that was my idea. <laughs> I actually got a friend to help me make a very rudimentary one that we heated up and pushed into the cards, but it was very, uh, uh, it, it was difficult to use. So this guy got it down, and in honor of the fact that he made it to production, <laughs> I paid the $30 for the pick punch. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, years and years and years and years and years ago, when I first moved out of you know my mom's house, and I, I'm getting my first place, we, were, we weren't rich by any means. We were quite poor. And she didn't have a lot of stuff she could give me like to take to my new place, so I would end up having to shop for things. Mm-hmm. Like, plates and glasses yeah. and bathroom stuff and and being me I hated that it was it was horrible it was the worst experience of my life I mean I just hate shopping yeah I want to go in get what I want and walk out yep. you know I'm that guy and to have to go in and go through rows and rows and rows of stuff looking so anyway I had this idea and my uncle at the time uh, had a couple of different businesses and I went to him and I said hey I've got this idea for bachelors because I'm, I'm trying to appeal to him in his language. He's like, oh, okay, you know, what's your idea? And I said, kitchen in a box, bedroom in a box, bathroom in a box. And he's like, well, what would it be? And I said, well, you walk in and you need stuff for your kitchen. You pick up the box, you put it in your right. cart, and you walk out. And it's got yeah. everything you need for your kitchen. You don't have to pick. All the basics. It's everything there. I said, same thing with bathroom. Same thing. Yep. He's like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. And a year later... I saw a Target ad yeah. where they were selling that exact thing, yep. and I took it to him, and he looked at it, and he said, well, I can't believe they're doing that, because that's still the stupidest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. 
Well, right. How many? <laughs> the, the idea is how many people is it going to serve? Uh, and, right. Well, this yeah. is this is awesome. So you've you've got you've got the covers of each book on on the card, which is exactly what I was talking about, uh-huh. right? You have the covers, and so did you do these covers yourself? Um, no, I well, okay. I, I did the toils and snares. Um, I paid for this one, um, and that were people I. So you got to say the names or again, uh, right. on radio. So, uh, Alexandre Vito uh, designed the cover for Outward Bound. Okay. And Pintado designed the cover for All Is Silence and Straight Into Darkness. Okay. And they, I met them both through 99 Designs and then contracted individually after the contest. I paid. I did the first book through a contest and they were my two favorite finalists and so I'm continuing to work with them. Cool. Um, I did the design work on Toils and Snares uh, because it's a novella. I didn't want to sure. uh, expend, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars on a cover. Whereas for paperback um, or hardcover, I want a an image that is of a much higher quality than I can produce. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, it has the cover art. It's also assignable. I picked up some silver Sharpies, and nice. they show up really nice. So, um, and very low overhead. And Wednesday, I'm going to meet with my favorite bookstore, Village Books in Bellingham, and pitch the idea to them, because I've got a release party coming up, and I'm hoping that they're willing to carry them. Sure. And we'll just, their thought is currently that they'd have them behind the counter, and we just have a sign in the science fiction and fantasy section that says, hey, would you like uh, ebook download cards signed by the author? Uh, take this slip to the counter and church sure. for purchase. Yeah, so I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great way for the independent bookseller to be able to sell ebooks, right? And make make some profit make some off profit. the ebook yeah. revolution. And uh, the collection I've been giving away the one uh, that's my short story collection mm-hmm. because it's it's actually about the same price as I think I paid for bookmarks, which you were talking about. How many how many <laughs> bookmarks do you have? More bookmarks in your basement than books, um, and it it seems much more. Uh, likely to get used it, I like the form factor because it's the size of a credit card I can put them into my wallet sure and uh, yeah so far I'm really really hoping that uh, it works out well for me and the local bookstores so all that is awesome now you need to tell us a little bit about this world okay tell, tell us about the world you've created okay well deserted lands is a as realistic as possible as I could get a pandemic occurs in the U.S. in my first book, Always Silence. It's about a young, at-risk teen who's two years behind in credits. She should be graduating, but she's not. She's got attitude. She's got issues. And you know, she's one of those girls that says, I hope you all die to her family. And in this case, they actually did. Uh, so here she is left at the end of the world. Did you make her Catholic? Because then it just adds extra <laughs> guilt on top of all of that. There's no Catholicism in, in this one, but uh, there is some hints of both uh, the Catholic guilt and Mormons in the second book. So okay. um, I just am finishing edits on the second book, Straight Into Darkness. Uh, the book is set slightly in the future, 20, uh, uh, 2019. And... 
essentially it's a, a really virulent um, influenza virus okay. that has a long um, period where it just seems like a common cold and it's very infectious. And so when all is said and done, it kills off about 95% of the population fairly quickly, leaving the rest of the world pretty much unharmed. So as opposed to most apocalypses where you've got food shortages, uh, radiation, alien invasion, uh, zombies, of course. Friday night on SF, or, or Sci-Fi Channel, yeah. Right. It's, it's everything that's so popular. And I have yet to find another book that's, that's sort of like mine, where it's just a realistic apocalypse. I want to... I, one of my goals was to write the stand without the paranormal. Okay. Yeah. So make it as realistic as possible. Sure. Yeah. And I read a book called um, Spillover by David Quammen. It's about uh, viruses in uh, societies, both uh, human and animal. And my uh, what I've put forth, though maybe a little bit. Uh, unlikely in the extremity of it is not that unrealistic. So we've got a world where all of a sudden you've got plenty of gas, plenty of food, plenty of space, um, but people are spread all around. Sure. So what happens next? And how do you find people? Uh, my central character is Lizzie, and she has a friend who's in uh, West uh, Texas. And some oh, relatives so elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so, it, how do you connect with the people who did survive that you know, and do you even try? And so, there's a road trip aspect to the first book where Lizzie is trying to pull together people she knows. Okay. And, and so, technology still works. Yes. Okay. And that's actually, I've had more questions from readers questioning why cell phones still work why is there still electrical you, you power just, you just had a you just had a massive uh population right the population died off yeah um but especially figuring i wrote this in 2012 and looking six eight nine years in the future um i had hoped to see more solar power more alternative energy and more automation and so my in my world, which is now probably deviated from the one we're living in, sure. um, their power systems have been supported. We've rebuilt the grid a bit because that's, of course, a big concern with a solar storm or something like that. It could go down. And here in the Pacific Northwest, we're running on hydropower. Okay. And so I consulted with some people who work at, at hydro dams, and they're like, you know, yeah, one guy could run the dam for a significant amount of time. You know, it might be a year or two years before uh, they had to start shutting things down or repairing them, and if you don't have somebody to repair it. But for the first six months to a year, you might have power, which means you probably have cell phone service. Um, And so I've not yet found another book that sort of postulates what what is just the human equation. If you just take the people away, what happens if there's plenty of everything? And of course, people are fearful and people are wanting to control certain aspects of their life because all of a sudden everything's been ripped from them. So part of the road trip is meeting up with different groups of people who have glommed together 
and how are they facing this apocalypse? Gotcha. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's and as somebody, it, one of the things it, it's won some uh, awards and it gets called dystopian. And I'm saying, no, it's apocalyptic. It's pre-dystopian, because in the second book, I begin to get into some of those aspects. There's a, a society that's coming together that they're settling in that has some of those um, negative, dark pieces of humanity that we associate with dystopias. Sure. But uh, So it's apocalyptic, pre-dystopian, realistic, young adult, science fiction. <laughs> All awesome. Yeah, thank you. Good I'm step. having fun. And uh, you've already done three books in the series? Well, I've the first novel, and right. then I started out writing a tie-in short story, which then I decided was going to be a novella. Right. And it ended up at 42,000 words. So it's about the same length as uh, many novels like Animal Farm or um, some of the John Steinbeck novels. It, in my mind, it's still a novella, but it's uh, pretty solid work, and it's currently uh, for sale on Amazon and doing really well. It's set it's a parallelical which I was hoping I'd invented that word but I've traced somebody else saying it on the internet at about the same time that I started (laughs) using it a couple months before and so there's three of us who seem to have invented the word um, parallel uh, on a parallel plane uh, but it, it takes place at the same time as the first book. Uh, starts slightly earlier and slightly later, but it sticks with one family who has not died. Okay. So, and they're seeing that as a sign, perhaps, that they, there is some divine meaning in this pandemic, and so they head off into the wilderness. And then, of course, they have to survive each other. Right. So, and then the third book, Straight Into Darkness, is just coming back is just coming out that's following Lizzie and her uh, sort of new family that she's pulled together. Very cool. So what are your plans? Are you going to do more? Um, I plan for a third Lizzie book. I literally have about uh, at least a paragraph sketch on six or eight other short pieces and I have ideas for tie-ins. Uh, there's some minor characters in the first book that I want to write their stories. I want to write some middle grade fiction okay. uh, set in the universe. And I've literally got 10 novels where I have at least an idea of what they're about. Uh, basically three trilogies and a standalone. So okay. I find the the whole idea of the world still being fairly usable but underpopulated for once, uh, really fascinating. And I, so once, you know, you think, what would this be like for uh, the guy who still knows how to run the hydroelectric plant? Sure. And what would he do? So my thought is that 20 years down the road, he's uh, trained his children it's everything that he knows. Family business yeah. now, yeah. And so he is now the master of power in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... My vision is literally, I have a short story that I started writing uh, about two years ago that said 100 years in the future of this world. So uh, I will probably continue to write in it as uh, after I finish this trilogy, I have some hard science fiction and uh, fantasy, a more um, a classic urban fantasy and a uh, sort of sword and sorcery magic based 
okay. uh, novel, my second novel that I would like to write some more in there. Sure. So if, uh, as I continue to write, I will expand those things. But for now, I've got at least one more book uh, over the next year and a little bit in this series. And uh, seems to be doing well. So awesome. I'm hopeful. Well, believe it or not, we're running out of time. I, it's been a <laughs> lovely conversation. It's Isn't been fun. It? This is great. So uh, tell people again, website. Okay, desertedlands.com is the home of all of the Deserted Lands books with links to everything else. My personal site is robsoiter.com, and it's published by Rocket Tears Press. And the new books are out. It's uh, the novels are available on pretty much any place that sells an ebook. It's available. The first book is available in paperback, and the next one will be as well. You can request it at your library, any of the major book booksellers. It's distributed through Ingram, and uh, I guess that's about it. If someone wants these cards, yes, like a like a collector like me, if someone wants yeah. these cards, can they contact you on your website and you can uh, they send them can. these cards? Okay. I uh, one of my plans about the same time as the next book comes out, which is all about now. Um, over the next two weeks, I hope to have the cards for sale on the website as well. And can you get them signed? Uh, certainly. Awesome. And if uh, they buy, if they want a signed copy of the first book, uh, Village Books in Bellingham will ship it to them for 99 cents uh, by media mail, and it'll be signed by me. Awesome. And uh, the other thing I was going to ask you, social media. Social media. I am under Robert L. Slater on Facebook. Twitter, Pinterest, uh, you can actually read the first novel in its entirety on Wattpad and samples of the uh, second novel and the novella. Very cool. And I think I'm also on Google Plus under Robert L. Slater 1, I believe. And um, you have links to all that on your website. There's links to all that, yep. Awesome. Well, thank you, Robert, for coming on today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Patrick. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. Your host is Patrick Hester, an author, a blogger, and a functional nerd. His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for all things from my brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SF Signal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends and their friends and so on and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melts featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF and F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the functional nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Angry Um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.